0: This is the All Into Clemson Football Podcast, the official unofficial podcast of
1: the Clemson Tigers. What is up, everybody? Briley here, and welcome to Notre Dame Week Part 2. ACC Championship Week is always a momentous time for Clemson, but this year has some extra stakes. This is really the first game since 2017 that the Tigers have played a highly ranked team in the championship game. And of course, there is a college football playoff berth at stake. Today, we're starting our game prep by talking to Lou Samoji, who is the senior editor for BlueAndGold.com, which of course is the Notre Dame Rivals affiliate. Lou is going to give us a little update on our friends from South Bend. What's been going on this past month since we last played them? How is this team different? What are they going to do different in this game? He's going to give us insight into Notre Dame. And it's a lot of fun. He does a great job of that. And listen, we have a ton more fun content for you this week. If you haven't already, be sure to check out our previous episode where Carter and I discuss our current thoughts on if the college football playoff is actually working and if the Heisman is actually being awarded to the right players year after year. Then on Wednesday, we'll talk to Hale McGranahan, who is a reporter at the Big Spur. And yes, that is the South Carolina 24-7 sports affiliate and you're right. We're talking to a USC expert during this big week where Clemson is facing Notre Dame. But we're going to do this because we've yet to really dive deep into the Game Cox hiring of Shane Beamer. So be sure to join us on Wednesday for that. It'll be fun and insightful. And finally, last but not least, be sure to tune in on Friday where Carter and I will welcome the senior writer for TigerNet.com David Hood to the pod. He's going to give us an in-depth preview of the upcoming game against Notre Dame. And of course, he's also going to give us an update on the early signing period, which is happening this week. There's a ton happening; it's crazy. So we'll hear uh, from him. And we'll also hear our worthless sound collection, and we'll play a round of Clemson or Clemson out. Listen, it's going to be fun. We got a ton of great stuff for you this week. I'm looking forward to it. So the last thing before we get to the interview today is I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Fanatics. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, I did buy some Clemson gear except from a different store. And I bought it right before the Notre Dame game, and I wore it. And unfortunately, we all know what happened during that game. So I've removed that gear from my wardrobe, and I've actually replaced it with gear from Fanatics. And guess what? Clemson has yet to lose a game. So I'm here to tell you that all the gear, all the Clemson gear from Fanatics is super lucky, and you should go get some. We've made it super easy for you to find the perfect holiday gift for that special Clemson fan in your life go ahead and just open up the app or website that you're listening to this podcast on and click the link in the episode show notes and it'll take you right to fanatics where you'll find some really awesome sales that they're having right now between now and the end of the year uh, you should definitely go check it out and in fact you can shop while you listen to this conversation that I had with Lou, with Lou emoji and you can do it at the same time so let's go ahead while you're shopping and listen to that conversation right now all right, excited to have Lou Simonji, who is the senior editor for blue and gold.com here with us today. Lou, guess we'd better start with the new start with the news that Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee will be the next coach at Vanderbilt. What does this mean for the Irish for the rest of the season?
0: It's, uh, um, you know, he's going to coach from my understanding right through the bowl game, just like so many others, you know, whether it's Kirby Smart, I'm sure Clemson has been in these situations <laughs> yeah. before, uh, where, you know, you have so much success that it eventually leads to a coaching uh, position. And I think it's a similar approach here as well. Um, you're able to coach through here, but at the same time for your new school, you, have to prepare an announcement.
1: Yeah, so is he going to be trying to sign a class year right before, I mean, signing day is just a couple of days away now?
0: Well, the news is out there now. There's there's no secrets with it. It's just, you know, holding the class together. And, you know, a big selling point always for Notre Dame is no matter who the coach is, no matter who the assistant or coordinator is, you choose the school. You you profile a certain type of player that is the right institutional fit for the school. They, they've always taken an immense pride in that. And it's, if it starts getting to be a game where, hey, don't tell anybody that so and so is leaving or anything like that, because maybe <laughs> he'll leave. If you're in that kind of position in the first place, that's the wrong institutional fit for you anyway. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I, I don't really. Look at that as a major factor. Now and if somebody does change, then it wasn't the right school
1: for them. Gotcha. No, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Okay, so my first one of my first questions here is uh to be honest with you, I haven't watched a ton of Notre Dame play since they beat Clemson in early November. But I have seen teams like Florida who you know they beat Georgia, and then they seem to be sleepwalking through the rest of the season. Tell us how Notre Dame grade them for us. You know, grade their performance since they beat Clemson. Have they, you know, have they uh, continued to improve, or have they remained steady? What's What's the last month of the season been like for y'all?
0: Oh, I, I think beating Clemson. You know, there may have been some initial uh, trepidation about gosh, now that they, you know, knocked off the big dog and everything, is there going to be a letdown? And there absolutely was not. Maybe in that Syracuse game on December 5th, the defense kind of, you know, it wasn't one of their better all-around games, especially against the run. But I think it almost created the victory over Clemson said, "Now, now we can prove we can play with the best. Now let's even do more and take it to the higher level. Because yeah. prior to that, it had always been that, well, you beat the teams that you're supposed to. But when it comes down to those big games against the top alpha teams in college football, you don't quite measure up. And I, I think there was just an elation that, OK, we measure up. Now let's prove it even more. And I think the performance at North Carolina, which is proving to be a very good team on November 27th, you lose one of your two best defensive players, Kyle Hamilton, in the first half because of a targeting call. And you're going against one of the more prolific offenses in the country that in the last seven games has averaged 52 points (laughs) Uh, in North Carolina. You saw them against Miami. You know, there's one guy running for over 300 yards, and another over 200. It's ridiculous, and, and yet, after they score touchdowns on their initial two possessions, they're completely shut down. They score only a field goal, and even without Kyle Hamilton, they produce 58 yards total offense in the second half on the road. I, I think that's when it kind of or the sign of, you know, this is a complete team. Um, they've improved in every area as the season has progressed. You know, going into the Clemson game, there's so much concern about boy, they just that receiving core just hasn't come to the forefront. And all of a sudden Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek and Avery Davis who caught that fifty three yard pass on that game closing drive and regulation that helped Put it into overtime. They all emerged. They had over 200 yards receiving, and it's like every week a new piece was added. They established their base with the power, of physical running game in September. In October, the defense kind of, after a, you know, a subpar performance against Florida State in a 42-26 victory. The next week, they beat Louisville 12-7. And they become a force, consistently able to shut down uh, teams and dominate um, the line of scrimmage. And then the passing game kind of adds to that uh, another piece, another layer to that overall um, team puzzle. So every week they've been just able to build on something. And like I said, Beating Clemson was like a validation or confirmation that yeah. we can play with anybody now, and let's prove it by continuing to not, not be complacent with it, but demonstrating that uh, we belong on the field with anyone.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's a sign of a championship-level team in a lot of coaches' minds is when you're continually improving throughout the season. And I think we've seen that from Notre Dame, as you mentioned. So you, you did mention Ian Book and the passing game. He seems to have stepped up his game ever since the Clemson win. So what changed for him? And do you think that's going to lead to maybe a more pass dominant attack by the Irish on Saturday?
0: Uh, no, I I don't think so. I, Brian Kelly repeats it. Theme all along. We are who we are, and the number one element that is centered on this team is the physicality on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I mean, we can get into this later, but foremost, no stat stands out more from that first Notre Dame Clemson game than the fact that Notre Dame ran for 208 yards and Clemson 34. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of that. This is who we are. We're built on physicality, and the passing game augments it. Don't, don't get them wrong. That's an important element. But the identity, first and foremost, is built on the physicality along both lines of scrimmage, run the ball, and stop the run. And it was manifested with the, that's that stat right there, 208 to 34 with the rushing yards. Usually, it's been the opposite for Notre Dame in these type of games. You know, if you look at that 2018 playoff against Clemson, uh, it, it was Dame that was limited to like 80 yards rushing. And Clemson, you know, got that late run from ETN uh, for a touchdown, 62 yards and everything that helped their stats. But, you know, against Georgia in, in the couple of years they played in 2017 and 19, th- that showed too. It, it's like uh, Dame was perceived – as the bully team is like they could, you know, pile up stats, the rushing stats against lesser opposition. But then when they met somebody like their own caliber or size, it it didn't show with the numbers. Yeah. And against Clemson this time it showed. That's what I felt was the one area going into this game or the November seventh game where I thought Notre Dame is capable of winning it because. My gosh! In 2018, that Clemson defensive line was an NFL franchise. What, what, what was it like? Three guys drafted among the first 17. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was on ridiculous. The front there, <laughs> uh, and nor Dame was a relatively young offensive line. Liam Eikenberg, Robert Hainesy, Tommy Kramer. Well, two years later, they're now the fourth and fifth year seniors. And Clemson, while you know, still very very good along the defensive line. They're the younger guys. You know, we, we know Brian Burcee and Miles Murphy were five-star recruits, but, you know, they're still freshmen. They haven't been in a college strength and conditioning program for four or five years. They haven't been in a system for four or five years. And I felt there was an edge there, and I also felt there was an edge along the defense line for Notre Dame, too, as far as, you have know, 2 50-year seniors, future NFL players in Dalen Hayes and Ade Diji starting at the end, and we have two fourth-year seniors starting in the interior. Clemson was rebuilding there a little bit this year, four new starters, et cetera. Now, again, these are very, very good players. That's why they're at Clemson. But it wasn't like 2018 where you said, "Boy, uh, Clemson really has a yeah. significant advantage in the trenches." This year, I felt the advantage was Notre Dame's favor on both sides of the ball there.
1: Yeah, and that's sort of, that's been a big topic around here ever since the beginning of the season, really, at Clemson, is how are our lines going to rebuild, as you mentioned, especially on the offensive line. And that was a big setback against Notre Dame, and that really led to, I think, some changes and scheming and different things like that. But this week, on the defensive side at least, we'll have Tyler Davis and James Skalski back, who we were missing yeah. against you guys. And so I think that might change a few things. Um I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I I think it'll be. uh, Hopefully, Clemson will be a little bit more competitive in the trenches, at least from our perspective. But um, you were giving me nightmares there when you're talking about the running stats because that was painful, and that was that's really where Clemson lost the game. So, you know, anytime a team is able to keep Travis Etienne to 28 rushing yards, you're probably you have a good chance of winning. So. Do you think that Notre Dame is really going to... I think you probably, you really already answered this, but are they going to continue to try to stuff Clemson's run game even though Trevor Lawrence will be back? Like, How are they going to handle, uh, instead of DJ Uyunglele being the quarterback, how are they going to handle Trevor Lawrence being back in the fold?
0: Oh, I think more than ever that's a point of emphasis of stopping the running game because they're probably a more effective running team with Trevor Lawrence. I think yeah. the thing that's so underrated were overlooked about Trevor is just what a, you know, competent and uh, dangerous runner he can be. You know, I I was just kind of watching that Clemson-Virginia Tech game, kind of part-time I was working, but also had it on in the background. And what I kept saying to myself is, you know, instead of using that game, a lot of people thought that, well, you know, Trevor. Maybe he could still be in the Heisman. They need to, you know, put up some big stats for him. You know, have that eye-popping game where, wow, well, let's put him back in the Heisman race. I was watching that game, and I'm saying, you know what? This is a scrimmage right now. They're using as a practice for yeah. day because they kept emphasizing that inside zone, and it wasn't sexy, it wasn't flashy. But I believe devil swinging right there is thinking. I don't want to be sexy. I don't want to be flashy. We got to beat Notre Dame in the trenches. and We can't have that. I would bet you anything that devil, that's the point of emphasis with Coach Sweeney this week with both lines there is that, hey, we got dominated last time. Are you going to let that happen again? I'm sure he's using that as a huge, huge motivational force. And while watching that Virginia Tech game, you know, it was Lawrence eleven of 22, 195 yards, kind of, you know, in today's game, especially pedestrian stats, especially for someone of his caliber. But that's not what it's, what's important for the long term. What was important was getting a base and establishing the line of scrimmage and having that run threat, that inside zone, and then uh, Trevor keeping it. He had, what, seven carries, 41 yards, two touchdowns. So I think more than ever, uh, the plan for Nordane is they're going to be much more effective with the run with Trevor in the lineup. So all the more reason you have to shut it
1: down. Very true. Yeah, it seems to be that when playoff time and and the conference championships roll around, then for some reason Trevor Lawrence starts running the ball. And we kind of like it around here. I don't like it when he runs in the regular season because I don't want him to get hurt, but it's it's money time now. And so, yeah, you're right. I think they were definitely, it it did seem a little bit like a scrimmage of, and that's what I meant by schematic. They were, a lot of times Clemson is trying to get the outside and more zone blocks. And now it did seem against Virginia Tech, it was like, we're just going to dive up the middle. We're going to Try to control the trenches, and uh, we'll see if it works against Notre Dame this week. Um,
0: yeah, it really was. Just watching that, it was like they're scrimmaging. They're, this is, they're using this as a practice game for Notre Dame. They want to establish that, and it's it's okay if they get only two or three yards or this or that. It's like repetition. Let's keep working on it. Uh, this is a game situation. We don't care, you know, about looking sexy or what the final score is. This is for the long term, for trying to build a championship team again. And you're not going to be a championship team if you're running for 34 yards. <laughs> or, <laughs> where tra- or where Travis Etienne is daring 18 times for 28 yards. It's, it's not going to happen. And look, <laughs> Dabo Sweeney is the multiple national championship winning coach. He knows what the heck he's doing.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, Brian Kelly knows what he's doing too. And uh, so uh, I'm glad this is you know this is going to be a fun game, and I'm glad. I in a, in a sense, I'm sort of glad that the game ended up in South Bend the way that it did because it adds a ton of pressure. And this game is going to be fun. So, what do you think, Brian Kelly has has up his sleeves? I'm sure he isn't, you know, telling everybody during the press conferences exactly what they're going to be doing. But do they have anything like special cooked up that you expect to see some trick plays or just some things that they've been hiding throughout the season that they plan on unveiling during the ACC championship? <laughs>
0: No, and we've asked Brian, you know, before on these topics about hiding. Right? What are you hiding? <laughs> you are who you are. And now, you know, there might be a wrinkle here or there added. And, you know, we talked about yesterday. They had a special emphasis uh, earlier in the week on special teams, and uh, maybe adding some stuff there uh, because special teams so often in these type of Games often spell the difference between winning or losing, or everything. But it's like he said all along: Clemson is who they are. We are who we are. Yeah. You you get to this point by, you know, having that identity, and to just suddenly say, "Well, let's try something else different." That's not to say there are tweaks or improvements where they feel they have to make, and everything like anyone else, but you know, they are not suddenly going to go into the triple option or anything like that. It's, <laughs> um, I, I think a point of emphasis very quietly with more Dane right now is I think there is an inner turmoil, not, it's not turmoil, that's the wrong word. An inner anger and motivation building because all they hear, all they hear is, well, Trevor Lawrence wasn't in the last game. Well, Tyler Davis and James Skowski and rogers they weren't in the last game. And it's sort of like, it's going to anger them. It's going to create like, okay, they're in there and we're going to beat them that way too. They're not going to say that publicly, obviously, but uh, so much of the attention is on what Clemson didn't have and maybe not enough credit to what Notre Dame has achieved. And I think that kind of really plays to their pride. This is a very, very veteran and prideful team that wants to show, okay, we beat them without the event, and this time we can beat them with them. Well, whether they do or not, we'll see on Saturday. <laughs> but I'm saying I, I, I'm sure that's a very, very powerful internal motivation for the game as well. I I kind of compare it when no Dame played for the national championship game, in 2012 against uh, Alabama. That entire month of December was a Notre Dame Waff fest because it's like, hey, Notre Dame is back. Or the miracle at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly, coach of the year. And that ESPN Home Depot show was just like a whole salute to Notre Dame. And very quietly, Alabama's in the background saying, okay, okay, let them have their moment in the (laughs) sun. So uh, when I look at this game, that first game in November 7th, all the pressure was on Notre Dame. Yeah. It's like, hey, they don't have Trevor Lawrence. They don't have Skelski. They don't have Davis. You're at home. Uh, you know, if you can't beat them now, you never will. All right? You know, it, so all, the, and that's tough to do. That's tough to handle. This time, all the pressure is on Clemson. You know, if they lose, they're probably out of the playoff, yeah. I think. Um you know, it's like this time it's on them uh, to show that um, that first one was um, more of an aberration. It's like, boy, you guys got killed at the line of scrimmage and uh, everything. So it, it's just interesting from that standpoint the role reversal.
1: Football. Yeah, it really is. It is It is such a strange thing where all the pressure seems to be on the favorites in both games. And I was going to ask you, th- so thanks for answering that. I'm afraid that uh, Clemson fans and the media, uh, you know, the narratives have really given voice uh well not boy, you know, they've just given that uh that locker room material that Notre Dame needs to be motivated. And I I mean, if I'm them, I would absolutely be motivated because that November seventh game, they really dominated Clemson in a ton of important areas that, you know, they weren't missing Clemson wasn't missing anybody on the offensive line and they dominated Clemson's offensive line. So it's really, the onus is on Clemson this week to prove that they deserve, you know, to beat Notre Dame, and it'll be fun. So you mentioned the playoff. Let's just say that Notre Dame does lose on Saturday. Do you think that Notre Dame is a lock to make the playoff, whether they win or lose? Uh,
0: 99%. If they lost something like, you know, that 2014 Big Ten championship game when Ohio State beats Wisconsin 59 to nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, something like that might give the committee a cause for pause. I I don't envision anything like that happening. (laughs) So, yes, I I, I would be, yes, I believe Nardane should be a lock for the college football playoff. They're easily one of the four best teams in the country. And I'm sure Clemson is, too. It's just that with two losses, it's going to be a bit more difficult to justify putting them in over uh, Texas A&M, provided that they take care of their own business.
1: That's true. and The, the one thing I would say and is same that...
0: Same with Ohio State. Same yeah. with Ohio State, having played only six games.
1: Yeah, it is a very unusual year and I feel like every the committee does something every year where I'm scratching my head and thinking what what's going on here. So, uh the best way, you know, for both teams, the best way is just to make sure that you win on Saturday. You win, you're in. That's a, that's all they need to know. So, kind of broadening out here a little bit. How do you, how has Notre Dame's season been? How has their experience been in the ACC? And I know this is sort of a long shot, but is there any momentum at all uh, to the idea that Notre Dame could maybe join the ACC long term, maybe next year or some somewhere down the road?
0: I don't see it in the short term. Um, one of the predictions I made in our yearbook uh, 2020, it's like what's ahead in this decade of 2020 to 2029. Yeah, just like you know, you know, when the decade 2010 started. Could we have envisioned that there would be a college football playoff? Could we have envisioned that Maryland and Rutgers would be in the Big Ten (laughs) and West Virginia in the Big 12 and all that? Uh, So a lot of things can happen over a decade. I would not be surprised if by the end of this decade that happened. But, you know, when Notre Dame has a season like this one, (laughs) suddenly it takes over. like, you know, we're good on our own. Yeah, um, who knows what the future holds? I think eventually it will happen. Maybe it'll be ten years, maybe twenty, maybe I'll be long as dead <laughs> after that. I, I think so, I think sometime down the road it, it's going to happen, but um, foreseeable future, the next four or five years, I, I wouldn't bet on it. Okay, I, I think when, when you get into peaton. 2025, that's when I believe the no Dame NBC contract expires. And then also I think that's when a new uh, playoff uh, deal is also whether they'll expand. I, I think eventually they'll expand to 18s too. I'm yeah. against that. But um, I think that's going to be inevitable as well. And then when you look at the landscape then, I think you make a judgment as to what might be best. If they go to 18s, then shoot, Notre Dame's probably saying, you know, as an independent, we can probably get in regularly. Oh, yeah. We don't need to win a conference
1: championship. Mm
0: -hmm. So, a lot lot of uh, different moving parts there before we can say one way or the other.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, well, that's sort of disappointing because we've, the ACC in general and me as a Clemson fan, it's been fun to have someone else who can actually compete with Clemson in this conference right now, because it's been a very long time. And so uh, even if it's a short stay, we've enjoyed it for sure. So, hey, I, I don't want to keep you too long, so let me let me wrap up here with this. Um, I don't know if you do predictions or not, but um, if you do, what's your prediction for the game, and why do you feel like um, Notre Dame could win this game? Like, answer, you know, fill in the blank. Notre Dame will win this game because blank
0: because it's still stronger along the line of scrimmage the same things that applied on November 7th apply here now Clemson does if you know you get Skalski and Tyler Davis back i think that narrows the gap there but you know it, it starts with the line of scrimmage there and i think the same reasoning i felt that Notre Dame um could win on November 7th is the same one now. But um, there, there are there's some changes. And, look, Clemson definitely has you know the revenge motive, and that's a very, very proud program. And their pride was wounded, especially getting um, dominated like that along the line of scrimmage with the rushing sets. Although some of it is a little bit misleading because that first carry of the game, Tyron Williams goes 65 yards. So after that, I mean, I, I think Clemson did a respectable job. I think they held Nardame to 143 yards rushing, which would be, you know, pretty good after that initial play. And a lot of the damage, well, well Kyan Williams then after after that had, I think, like 22 carries for 75 yards. And I, yeah. think, I think Devil Sweeney would sign up for that <laughs> if he had 22 carries for 75 yards. The damage, rushing wise, Really was done with Ian Book's improvisations. Yeah, I mean they kept sending blitzes, and Kyron Williams would pick them up. But also Ian was just so resourceful and so maneuverable. Um, it had to be demoralizing. It's like you're making good calls here, and he constantly, constantly gets. I was really surprised they didn't, in a lot of teams. They don't put a spy on it. Ian Book is a marvelous runner. I mean, he's run for about 1,500 yards in his career here at Notre Dame. And it seems teams repeatedly, repeatedly underestimate just how dangerous he is with his feet. And um, I think that's going to be one of the essential ones there that comes to look at it to see, are they going to be sending blitzers like last time? Are they going to you know, have a spy on him more so? Or, or are they going to be a little bit more conservative in the approach and have him maybe beat them deep downfield? Um, so those will be interesting. Prediction-wise, I have no clue. <laughs> I no clue. You know, is that I, I think Clemson has certain advantages, and I think Notre Dame has certain advantages. Um, but if, you know, I, I thought three areas last game, Nordane the two hundred eight to thirty four rushing yardage. The huge advantage in third down conversions. A big part of it was Ian Book's scrambling ability. Nordane was ten of nineteen. Yeah. Fifty two percent. Clemson was four of fifteen. about twenty six percent. So that's double right there. And then turnovers. Uh three to one advantage there. Yeah. Uh, you know, the last turnover was the final player of the game, a desperation thing, but still you, you got to win the turnover battle. And then, you know, those two turnovers comes end. One was a great touchdown by Jeremiah uso off that fumble. And another was uh, three points. So you outscore them 10 nothing on the um, turnovers.
1: All right. Well, that's awesome insight, Lou. Thanks for joining us today. For all of our listeners out there, be sure to give Lou a follow on Twitter at BGI underscore Lou Samoji. We will link to his Twitter in uh, the sh- episode show notes as well. So, hey, Lou, uh, I hope you have a good weekend this week. Try to, you know, I know it's a busy week for you, so try to get some rest, and uh, good luck to you and, and the Irish, and uh, maybe we'll be talking again sometime during the playoff. You never know. We could have another matchup between uh, these teams.
0: I, during the season, I was saying, this could be Ollie Fraser 3. <laughs> i just in my loss. Three meetings before. I don't know if that's ever happened in college football, but... Uh, It was very evident by early October that these are the two best teams in the ACC. They're going to meet again in December. And I didn't doubt that maybe they could meet again in the playoffs in January.
1: Well, it'd be fun. This would be the one matchup I'd sign up for to see three times for sure. So let's uh, you know from my perspective, I hope Clemson wins so that we have a chance for that. but I'm sure Notre Dame would like to uh, maybe end Clemson's chances to make the playoffs. So hey, thanks for taking the time with us today and uh, have a good week, okay?
0: Okay, you too. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Be all in on the best Clemson
0: podcast around by subscribing on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, it'd be cool if you left us a positive review.